Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome back to The Daily Drive. I'm so incredibly glad that you're here. And I say welcome back because I assume you're a regular listener coming back again today. We're picking up yesterday's interview where we left off with Eric Mears of You Interview. And I hope that you enjoy this as much as I did. Let's jump right back in. I was going to say, isn't politics all about conflict now? I mean, I've yeah. always thought, you know, <laughs> when, uh, yes, it is. I mean, I've always thought about it, by the way, you know, uh, does Facebook, and you mentioned Facebook, so we'll, we'll bring them into yeah. the talk here. You know, Facebook uh, doesn't have an incentive to quell Discord. In fact, they, they have, there's almost an incentive to encourage it because the more people argue back and forth in a post uh, and they continue to go on comments and and fight with each other the more ads they're seeing i mean it's about stickiness it's a you know to use an old term you know it's about getting them to come there stay there engage there and never and not move off of it and keep them as long as conflict does that yeah absolutely and you know trump you know, whether you love him or whether you hate him. Um, hey, pay some bills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is yeah, – some days I sit here and I just – I can't believe that, you know, there are a hundred stories we could write about from just based on things that he said. and Or tweeted or, <laughs> or whatever, yeah, right? I mean, he, is, he is a content creation machine. And, machine. Uh, <laughs> he, he gives so much grist for the Internet that – you know, right? it just creates so much uh, conversation. Way too fast, by the way. If you were to think back in your day of Matt print, way too fast for print. This is this is this is a guy that is made for the internet because it, it, the attention, the ADD attention span of the average person, the squirrel, and and that, and he can do that, right? And just the next thing he said is, "You're now on to the next thing." Yeah, and it's funny. It's funny that you say that. I mean, the um, one of the things that people don't realize about magazines is, you know, GQ and Harper's Bazaar, the production lag time is about three months. So, in the beginning, you know, end of May, you're starting to produce the September issue, and so, you know, the the idea of timeliness in a monthly magazine, you know, there's just there's just no hope of being timely. I mean, you can maybe talk about wearing warmer clothes for the fall, but I mean, it's it's you're not gonna you're not gonna hit any you know the rapidity of culture today. I mean, one of the reasons why uh, you know news websites and political websites are doing so well right now is there's so much to cover and it's changing moment to moment, minute to minute, and you know. 24-7, there's all this stuff to talk about. And especially in our politics side, what we're trying to do is, you know, 
keep a conversation going. We have a really robust uh, Facebook community, even though the the website's only a couple, you know, eight months old. Uh, but we already get thousands of comments a day on our Facebook page, and it's a super super engaged audience there. And I love it because I, you know we can post something, and you know within seconds or minutes, you know we have comments and we we see what people actually think about what we've written. And that is a really, you really uh, understand the power of Facebook and, and you see how, how you can build a real-time community there. Well, you know, I've got a question for you. So definitely, since you're talking about delving into politics and Facebook, uh, social media in general, um, but we, you are close to and can completely understand, I think, uh, and boy, we're taking a real pivot from where I normally go here. Um, but what what is referred today, or I think overused, or maybe even misunderstood, and that's the phrase fake news. Um, and there's, I think there's three types of fake news, if I were to actually call it out. There's the fake news that really is um, fiction. It's, it's, it's a lie. It's, it's completely written uh, in a way that is, you know, for whatever motivation, it's just untrue. Then there's, that, there's a second level of fake news, which is um, satirical, right? In the Onion, that's fake news. It's not real news, uh, but it's written with the motivation of, you know, usually humor. Or to point out, boy, you're, that's an outrageous thought. I, oh, ha ha on me. It was fake. I, I, I read through it. I was engaged and I'm like, wait a second. You know, uh, I got caught. But then there's this other, this third piece of it. And that is what I would say is, is news that, that in the day isn't or wasn't news worthy. Uh, and and I, the example I give there when I, I talk about the subject is, I was watching the ABC Nightly News. This was some time back, but you'll probably remember. It's in the entertainment space. It was some time back. And it was, uh, and I can't remember who it was now. It's that irrelevant. It was a wife of uh, one of the cabinet members stepping off of a plane and doing an Instagram uh, tagging the various different brands she was wearing. And Uh, she got into it. Yep, and she got into this, uh, it uh, was a Twitter battle or an Instagram battle with somebody saying something about, you know, that. All right, this makes the B block, and for my audience, I know you know what that means, but for my audience, the A block in news is the lead stories, and then right behind that is the B, and then they move off into C and D. And the further you get from the A block, the less important, I'm using air quotes now, that is right but this made like the lead in the b block and i'm thinking to myself when i get to the c block there's an <laughs> that night there was an escaped convict uh killing people through the countryside of a region and i'm thinking how in the heck did this news about her getting into this instagram or twitter battle or whatever make the b block and that's i think where some people and I'll go with Trump, calls it fake news. It's not really news. Is that really news? But because of this environment we're in today, in social media, people want to be outraged by something. And so that's something they can latch onto and be outraged by. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, there's stories that I call that a talker. I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, 
people cover because it's going to, you know, it creates a conversation based on it. I mean, it's not necessarily newsworthy. I mean, you know, Mnuchin's wife, you know, has zero effect on policy. Uh, but it does, it does reflect a certain, betray a certain attitude about her and the, you know, the type of people that perhaps the president has in his orbit. And, you know, so it feeds into a different narrative. Uh, you know, so, Aren't news organizations under, because of the internet, because of social media, aren't they under an incredible amount of pressure to garner clicks, to garner eyes, to garner likes, to, to garner attention, the eyeballs, and aren't we all, that we move e more easily into those contentious, salacious, easy to cause conflict and, and arouse some kind of an emotional response from our viewers that, uh, you know, authentic journalism about policy and things that matter gets kind of put to the sideline a lot by this type of stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right, and I won't say that we wouldn't cover that. <laughs> right? No, we would, would have to. We have yeah. to. We we have to. We all do. And I'm in the marketing business, so drawing clicks, clickbait, headlines, it, it, you have to. If you're going to compete in this crazy fast cycle of stuff going on, you have to uh, have that kind of stuff, or you can't. You're you're not going to pay the bills if you're just doing the. The same old vanilla news that was you done back back in the day, so to speak. I'll say pre-internet, pre-social media, 80s and 90s. Um, you could do that. Yeah, and it's interesting. And I'll give you a counterpoint of something that we're doing um, for politics is we're trying to interview all the all 20 now of the Democrats running for president. And um, one of the things that we're yeah, it's a big field. And but I think it's even more important to try to pin them down on the issues. So. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is we developed a list of 16 questions, uh, and so far we've done three of the three of the 20, and we hope to have all 20 eventually. Um, and we're gonna, you know, it's what is your view on uh, immigration reform? What's your view on the economy? What's your view on gun control? You know, going down the list of different issues, and. Every and asking each candidate, and they have as much or as little time to answer the questions they want. And um, eventually, what we'll do is we'll create a page on each issue with all the the candidates answering uh, the single question. And then, if you want to find out where any of the Democrats stand on on the environment or gun control or whatever the issue is. Um, you'll be able to see them talking in a really unfiltered way. You know, all our interviews are straight to camera. So you're really, you know, we're not giving you a little soundbite. We're giving you exactly what their position is from directly from them. So, you know, one of our differentiators is that we are giving you whatever we do, whoever it is, it's you're, you're hearing directly from the that person and we let them talk. We don't give you a little soundbite. We give you the full uh, experience of knowing that celebrity or knowing that politician and, and really hearing from them. So, you know, uh, for sure we we do some uh, salacious stuff once in a while, but we also do we also do the real content. I think in the video side, which is really our main business. Uh, the videos are um, really substantive, and even when you know, even when we're talking to a uh, Real Housewife of New York, I mean, you really, you really get to know them. 
I don't think you would categorize yourself in what you guys are doing as a reactive news organization who's picking the, you know, I, I don't think, that, although you're blended somewhat in there because you're providing uh, information about what's going on now, you know, if they're, if these stars are, uh, you know, pitching a, per, a particular project or whatever, there's timeliness to it. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think you're doing the the globe, if you will. No, no, and and we don't, and you know, I think the number of stories we've had to correct, you know, I can probably count in ten years, I can count on one hand, and um, and you know, if we see if we if someone brings a mistake or something to us, you know, which happens from time to time, we you know we 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 fix it. Well, it's hard to make a mistake in video when the person actually sat there and said it, right? Yeah, they, exactly. It's them that made the mistake <laughs> if something was made. I mean, your summary of what you write about it, I understand what you're saying, but it's kind of difficult in your in the video business. Yeah, sometimes people will be embarrassed with something that they said, and it again that's happened. You know, out of over three thousand videos, I can count on one hand the number of, uh, you know, I can probably count on three fingers the number of people who are unhappy with the result or were unhappy with with a single question or something like that. Uh, you know, we you know we'll work with them to so they get a result that they want. Uh, out of it, and you know we're not out to embarrass people, but you know we're we're out to to educate and inform and and entertain people. Well, I went on into that because it was a really cool subject matter, longer than I normally do, um, and didn't get into the the normal uh, turn that I do here because our listeners love to understand CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs that and who they are. So I, I'm going to kind of throw and make that turn now, and uh, I'm sure. going to ask you some quick questions, okay. and, and we'll then kind of uh, go from there. So in one word, a single word, characterize your life as an entrepreneur. Hectic. Heck, I like that word. Married or single? Dating. So in a relationship. Committed. Single but dating. So dinner and a movie out or dinner at home and Netflix? Dinner at home and Netflix. Really? All right. Good deal. I, I go to movies all the time for work, so that's, ah, <laughs> I'm happy to say there. There comes the answer. I gotcha. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? Ocean blue. Uh, it's my favorite color. Ocean blue. <laughs> I don't, all I right. Don't know so why. it would be an ocean blue shade. I gotcha. No, that's good. It's good. What are your hobbies? Away from all this work stuff and interview. I run a lot. I'm trying to run 800 miles this year. Um, that's kind of wow. this weird thing that I got into. Uh, I've been increasing by 100 miles every year for the last uh, four years. Um, so that takes up a lot of time. But I mostly, yeah, you'll like the fact that I mostly listen to podcasts while I run. I don't <laughs> listen to music. So I, cool. I churn through hundreds of hours of podcasts. Uh, so that's really entertaining for me. I like, I love to travel. That's another big thing for me. Whenever I can, I try to travel. I, yeah, I'm going to pivot uh, away from my normal line of questions. I have to ever starstruck, man. You've been in this business a long time. Ever starstruck? Uh, rarely, but it does happen. And it's usually someone who is maybe not a more famous person. It's just like a show that I happen to be really into or, um, you know, something like that. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily like a bigger name person. Right. So share, which one was the last, last starstruck? I mean, I, oh, 
Oh, I interviewed Nick Offerman, who is uh, uh, in, on Parks and Rec, uh, I think it was last year. And I was completely starstruck by him because I've watched every episode of Parks and Rec and it's one of my favorite shows. And I just, I've actually spent, you know, hundreds of hours with this guy, but I'd never met him before. And, you know, he's not necessarily a huge right. celebrity, but he's amazing, an amazing actor. And, um, you know, I, oh God, I love that. I loved interviewing him. So is it true? I, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. So I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll answer, but I'll ask a question. So do you think it's true that when we watch people in television or listen to them in radio or on podcasts or, or see them in movies, that we develop a, a belief of who they are, that we like really know them? Oh, absolutely. I think that people really think they have a personal relationship with with many celebrities and and have a real idea of what their lives are like. And especially, I think it's exacerbated by the whole social media phenomenon where, you know, a lot of people do share much more personal stuff than they used to. Uh, so I think that people do really feel like they know the the subjects probably better than they really do. Right. No, and I and I am by no means even close to the level of, you know, popularity or start of my I run a, 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 a podcast, but I have met people that they I swear they think they really know me for just cuz they've been listening. I'm like that's it just surprises me, but I guess it happens. So, was this this was he what you expected or was it totally different or you were surprised he or was, was he uh, more what you thought? No, he was pretty much what I thought. I mean, he was super nice, very friendly, um, gave a good interview, uh, very intelligent, which is, I, I mean, I expected him to be very intelligent because his humor right. was really, really funny and nuanced. But, you know, he was, he was pretty much what I expected him to be. Most of the celebrities that I interview, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone puts on... No one's trying to be unpleasant when they're in an interview context, but sometimes, right. some, sometimes, right. sometimes the little hints of what they're like will come out. But you know, you see how they treat their publicist or something like, like that. Like a prima donna type side or whatever. Yeah, sometimes little things like that will come out. And um, but I, I, yeah, mostly people who come into our office or people who I deal with at a movie junket or you know on location right. someplace are are very. Yeah, you know, I think they probably genuinely are uh, nice. You know, treat people well, and um, but generally they're on their best behavior. So I probably would see. It. What sacrifices have you had to make to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, the thing that people don't really understand is uh, the amount. Well, one first the amount of time that it takes. That it's basically uh, all encompassing. All encompassing. You don't. Um, you don't have any personal time you're always on for your company and that's a certain um that's a certain mindset and not a lot of people have that and the other thing is you know the highs are very high and the lows can be very low you know you're responsible for everything and you know it's one thing when you work for Condé Nast I mean the bills are always going to get paid um the when you're an entrepreneur, you're responsible for everything. And that's that's a really empowering feeling, but it also can be scary sometimes. You step outside and uh, you find laying on the sidewalk a lottery ticket and you end up winning $100 million. Does that change anything? 
I'd be very happy, but <laughs> but I would still continue. I would continue doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. I mean, the company was definitely founded in my image. It is the type of you know. I love what I do. I come to work every day. I love what I do, and um, it's fulfilling a purpose now that is far beyond what I expected when I started. Um, it's really, you know, a mission of getting people's stories and documenting them and distributing them to as many people as possible. Um, so that's something that I love to do. I've been doing it, you know, as I mentioned, I've been doing it continuously. I've been involved in journalism somehow since I was uh, 13 years old continuously um, through junior high, high school, college, and straight out of college to today. Um, so it's really part of my DNA. It's something I really love, and it's why I created the company. It was because I wanted to do what I what I love. I will let you know. Okay, mission accomplished. I, I have motives here. The questions are, you know have reasons, and I, I point out to people all the time. Um, you you went right down my path. So you give up time as a sacrifice, but then you come back and say, "But it's a thing I love." And so I, I do believe this. I, I believe that when you're doing something you love, you're not really. It's not a sacrifice. <laughs> you're doing something you like, so you just love continuing to do it. I, I almost as though you would do it as a hobby. So you don't notice the clock going by, do you? No, you don't. And people don't understand that either because people ask me, well, why are you, why are you always working? And I was like, well, it's, I mean, it I is like work, it. <laughs> but, but it's, but it's right. also, I would, I would be doing this even if I wasn't, you know, being paid to do right. it. I mean, it's, it's something that, that I really, it's a mission that I believe in. It's, it's a company that I believe in. It's an idea that I believe in. And that's the secret. I think the successful entrepreneurs, successful uh, leaders, it's the secret that you are not, and you answered with the, with the uh, lottery ticket thing. It's not about the money. The money doesn't change it. Even if I won an unimaginable amount of money, I'd still do this. It's, I'm not here for the check. I'm here because I have passion for it. Yeah, and I think that's what differentiates uh, people in this entrepreneurial world. It's you have to really believe in what you're doing because when the low points come, and you know everyone has a low point, and yeah. you know, do you uh, do you give up? Yeah, do you persevere or quit? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, you you remember this the 2008 period? I mean, it's mm -hmm. like failure was never an option for me. So, nope. so that, you know, I just figured out what was the next way to, to move forward. And that's a really good way to look at things because when, you know, I mean, there are much better times now, but I mean, you do, you can always be faced with adversity and you need to have uh, that sort of mindset where you can, can deal with setbacks because they're inevitable for everyone, no matter how successful you are. I consider myself to be incredibly blessed. That's why when we, uh, you know, earlier, best day of my life. It could be, I could be having a really tough time, but it is the best day of my life. I'm incredibly blessed to be in a country where I can do something that I want to do, follow a passion that I want to follow, and, uh, and, and have that opportunity, and I'll never stop. I'll just keep going at it. That perseverance comes from that passion. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it has nothing to do with the paycheck. It's nice that I, that I have a good one, you know, now. But I know what it I know what it's like not to, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, absolutely. That that that's the mindset that you have to have, and it's uh, it's great to hear it reflected in, in uh, 
your life and, and what you're doing. I think that people that are thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, people that are thinking about starting something, often focus on the wrong thing. They focus on how can I make money? And you should focus on what do I want to do? Because that's what I'm going to, it's going to consume me. It's going to consume my life. It's, it's going to be who I am. You can't like separate it. There's a difference between those that founded a company and started something and those that were promoted into the role of CEO. To them, it's a job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you have to have the passion for it. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. I mean, I think. Um, but but if you're doing something you really believe in, and then then there's no sacrifice. It's all reward. What company or business do you admire the most? Well, it was actually an interviewer, but he's no longer doing interviews anymore. Okay, guys, I don't. It's kind of that's not a company. You want a company, though? No, no, I, no. I'll take that. No, I'll take that. I'll take the interviewer. It's okay. So it's not a company. It's somebody that's in your space that is an incredible interviewer. Who is that? Well, I mean, unfortunately, he's been really discredited because of the Me Too stuff. But Charlie Rose, fantastic interviewer, and. Uh, I used to watch that show religiously because it was, you know, God, that guy really got great stuff out of everyone and really knew how to lead a conversation. And, you know, really, uh, that was something that he was just a person, you're watching him at the top of his craft. And, you know, of course, the personal stuff that we found out about him is, is horrible and uh, sad, sad for the people involved and obviously sad for him. Um, but I don't think that takes away from the fact that he was an unbelievable interviewer, is an unbelievable interviewer, and that's kind of what I aspire to, and that's like the, you know, that maybe you can take that show, like that show, I love that show, as uh, uh, the Charlie Rose show, and I, you know, I wish that we had something that was, uh, could sort of fill that space, um, because that's the thing um, that I just think is the high point of interviewing. It was... Uh, Talking to people, you know, not necessarily, I mean, sometimes it was a movie star, but quite often it was a person in an NGO or, you know, someone doing something that wasn't very glamorous and having a really high-level conversation for 60 minutes in a black set uh, sitting at a table. Like, that I loved. I thought it was just a really, really um, fantastic uh forum to do an interview and um that's something i miss and you know, actually would love to emulate in some some respect in the future your admiration is for the craft of the to do what you do and uh to recognize somebody who does it really well if you could travel back in time to the first day in 2008 when you started you interview what would you tell yourself you can only have 15 minutes to get it in a short. What are the most important things you would tell your your future or your past self? Be patient uh, about um, how th- – yeah, because I remember the first day we launched the website, I was like, oh, we're going to have <laughs> like 100,000 people in the first day. <laughs> That's not really how it works. Uh, you have to build up an audience. And so I just – yeah, I mean, I guess it, there was a – a learning curve for me and be patient be patient um 
understand that there's a process for things. There's a way to get yourself out there, but um, have patience with it. You know, just stay true to what your your core mission is, um, and th- you know the audience will find you eventually uh, if you are doing good work. Um, but sometimes that takes a little bit of time, and um, over if you have a, a longer arc than just a few days, a week, a month, a year. Um, and that's hard in business terms a lot of times to ha- have that kind of arc and vision for things because, you know, as we know, business is about the make, you know, every month you got to pay the bills, every quarter you got to report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the, to have a bigger perspective on things that if you're staying true to what your core mission is, uh, the audience will find you and having faith in that. that that's that's the thing. I think in, in the beginning it was hard for me to see that because I didn't really understand how things worked. And, you know, with hindsight or over 10 years hindsight, I can say that that does happen. You just have to, you have to be patient with it. Patience is also an action, right? It's an intentional patience. Like, settle down. Let's see. <laughs> Let's be patient. If you were conducting this interview... What question would you ask you? Hmm, that's a good question. What's the biggest opportunity you missed? Okay. What's the biggest um, opportunity you missed? I think one of the the biggest thing. Well, there are, there are actually a couple, and they're mostly around social media. That uh, in the beginning we were one of the original YouTube partners, and um, someone convinced me that it was not a good idea to be on YouTube. So I pulled all of our videos off of YouTube. <laughs> oh. Ten years ago, and oh. <laughs> exploded, and the partners became these huge. Uh, that was yeah. a big opportunity. That was a really big up, missed opportunity. We we're back on. Needless to say, we're back on YouTube. But uh, I think we missed a big, uh, a big opportunity. I think we. I think we would have been a lot bigger, a lot faster if we had done that. Okay, since you shared, I'll share. Um, I, I I never thought about that that one before. Missed opportunity. So I'll give you. I'll, I'll let you know. So back in a number of years ago. Um, so I'm you know I you, you know I do internet marketing, search engine optimization. I've been doing that. For, I've been doing it a long time. So we. I was working for another uh, company. I wasn't uh, actually didn't have my own company at this point, and I uh, was trying to figure out. Uh, the whole mathematics behind SEO. And do you remember that there was a wardrobe malfunction at a Super Bowl? Oh, of course. <laughs> of course, of course. So on the very next day, on Monday, that night I picked up the phone, I called a bunch of my colleagues, said we got a, pro- we got a chance to prove something, that a proof of concept, we, we got, we, this is our moment. And so on Monday morning, KenNor.com, my personal website, ranked number one for Janet Jackson's breast. I ranked number four for Super Bowl halftime show. My internet service provider at that time called me up and said, we're shutting you down. You're, you're, you're driving so much traffic into our servers. You, you, it's got to stop. And this, and it, this goes back to the days of, you know, the internet service provider was a company called Sundial because they also did dial up, you know, dial up internet access locally. So, 
and burying their 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 pipe, just completely killing it because all these people are coming to see it. I and I I didn't even have a picture of her breast. I had just written an article, right? Do you know that? So that was that was that one critical moment where I go, ah, I can do this. I know how to do this, and it launched me off into a trajectory that ultimately is where I am today. But do you know what that that moment uh, also launched? You know who had their genesis for their idea for their business on that same moment? YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> they were searching for Janet Jackson's breast and said, we need a place for videos on the Internet. My idea was how to rank. Their idea was to go put the videos there. I missed it completely. They start YouTube. They ultimately end up selling to Google. The rest, I mean, I had the wrong idea. I didn't. I had a great idea, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's a great story. You know, so it's right in front of your face. There it is. Uh, and then you're in the video business. I could have been, they were, but they became the platform for all videos, right? That's pretty amazing. Listen, Eric, if somebody wanted to figure out how to get a hold of you, well, what's the best way to find you, reach you, talk to you? Uh, yeah, uh, they can email me directly, uh, emears, M-E-E-R-S, at letter U, interview.com. Excellent, excellent. Hey, uh, Eric, was fantastic having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the show today. Hey, Ken, thank you so much for having me. This was a real pleasure, a great conversation. All righty, guys, that was a fantastic interview. And I hope you join us again tomorrow on The Daily Drive, where we hope you get your drive on. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is That Company the white-label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Rob the Hitchhiker Young, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan shoddy don't forget to tune in tomorrow